Hey there, good morning, good afternoon or good evening depending on when you're seeing this video. My name by birth is Alex William Smith but I'm better known to many of you in my stage name of Jonathan Royal, hypnotist, mind reader, all-round psychological influencer and all that kind of stuff and I'm going to be bringing you a new online video interview TV type interview show each week called Hypnosis Week. Uh, details will be at the website hypnosisweek.com and also at hypnosisweek.co.uk. If you're seeing this video in years to come and for any reason those domain names no longer work, then you'll be able to access this by going to my YouTube channel, which is Celebrity Hypnotist, looking in the playlists and finding the playlist that says Hypnosis Week, which is where all the interviews will go. And no doubt you'll be able to find my YouTube channel even easier just by going to magicalguru.com, which is M-A-G-I-C-A-L-G-U-R-U.com, and clicking on the YouTube logo. So with that in mind, I figured before we start this launch week of interviewing a person a day every day for seven days, running from the uh, 26th of January up to and including the 1st of February 2020, that we should start by learning a little bit more about me, Jonathan Royal Hypnotist, formerly known as Alex Leroy, but born with the name Alex William Smith. So I've got my colleague uh, and one of my stage hypnosis students, Robert Temple, to interview me. This was done a few years ago. Some of you may have seen it before, but I think it's a good way to kickstart the series so you can learn a little bit about me, see where I'm coming from, and that'll give you an idea to what's in my mind when I'm interviewing our wonderful guests from all around the world. Remember, click subscribe here on the Celebrity Hypnotist YouTube channel to keep up to date with information and be sure to visit hypnosisweek.com and hypnosisweek.co.uk for more information on this television series, uh, who's on it, when they're going to be on it and what lot, those kind of things. And of course, my website, magicalguru.com, you can go there, click on the button that says free stuff and you can get free training videos, free home study manuals and a whole bunch of other stuff besides. Bye for now. Hello and welcome to this short video. Uh, this is Robert Temple, comedy hypnotist. I'm really glad that you've stopped by to check this out and I've got something very, very exciting to share with you. You see, this year is quite a big year for me. Uh, it's exactly 10 years since I started learning hypnosis. Uh, I was just 14 years old when I started learning and practicing hypnosis, actually hypnotizing people. And it's actually eight years since I started performing professionally, being paid to perform shows. Now, since then, I've gone on and performed over 1,500 live paid performances, hypnotizing over 10,000 people in, I think it's eight or nine countries around the world. Now, I can pretty much all of that to one person, the guy who actually got me started in learning hypnosis, my original hypnosis tutor, my original hypnosis mentor, and uh, now a very good friend of mine. And that is Dr. Jonathan Royal, also known as Mr. Alex William Smith. And he's been uh, persuaded to Hello. join me on the sofa here where we wanted to record this quick video. Now, there have been rumours flying around the internet about this man, uh, not least of which that he is in fact me under a different name. <laughs> as you can see. <laughs> Look! <laughs> Different, dyed red hair, real ginger hair, that's why I cut it short. Yeah. So unless this is some sort of weird split screen technology, you can see that Alex and I are definitely two We leave that to their umbrella lottery predictions, people. And I'll not tell you what the age difference is either, because he tends to get grumpy. Now, uh, I've managed to convince Alex, it's taken a little bit of work, but I've managed to convince him to join me here because there are a lot of other rumours, far more serious rumours, 
gossip backstabbing that takes place on the internet about uh, about Alex Jonathan call him what you will and uh, he's been called far worse and <laughs> I've decided that I wanted to try and put some of these straight now there's a lot of questions a lot of rumours so what I've done is I've literally spent the last hour or so uh, jotting down a whole bunch of questions uh, that I wanted to run past Alex and that's what we're going to go through with you now alright so if you're ready to find out the truth uh, behind all of the myths and the legends that are Dr. Jonathan Royal, then stay tuned because we're going to go through them right now. So, thank you for joining me on this video, first of all. Um, the uh, first, okay, Rob. Yeah. The first question I wanted to really address with you is how did you become a hypnotist in the first place? Obviously, we all have different stories. How did you get started? Right, well, that one's an easy one, um, and yet slightly bizarre, slightly unique, uh, and slightly odd at the same time, uh, which will make sense to you guys and girls later. But I was born. Or bugger it. Yeah, I'll give the date of birth. On the 13th of August 1975, so if you do your maths, yes, that makes me 36, rapidly approaching 37. Uh, but I was born on that day, oddly enough, to my mother, as these things happen. And my mum and my dad were travelling with Gandhi Circus, which at the time was one of the, well, was one of the biggest successful circuses in England. And... My dad was Circus Clown, uh, also uh, under the name of Tizzy the Clown, and he also worked uh, doing a ladder of daggers, jumping on broken glass, fire-eating type yogi act, in the name of the amazing Etna. Um, I know, weird. But hey, just as a side dish, nothing about me, but my dad was the only speciality act in the world to ever work Bellevue Circus in Manchester in England, three consecutive years. Uh, and in the circus world, his name probably means nothing to the magicians or the hypnotist or the mentalist watching this. But in the circus world, my dad, as Tizzy the Clown, the amazing actor, is a worldwide respected name. And that was the case way before I was born. So I was brought up in the circus, and the tradition there is that people learn each other's acts. It is the old cliche of, well, what if someone has an accident? Because there are real dangers, and there's going to be people there, so the show must go on. So by the time I was three years, three and a half actually, I was, I was nearer to three and a half, approaching four, but it was before I turned four that I first appeared in the ring with my dad as Flap the Clown. And if anyone wants a really good laugh, just go on uh, Facebook and uh, search for Alex Williams Smith or it's facebook.com forward slash Alex the Hypnotist. And in my photo album are pictures of the three and a half old me with a silly wig and the nose and the glasses and it's cringeworthy to look back on it however I was getting paid I was officially uh, the youngest professional paid circus clown in England at that time um, we were doing shows every day um, trying to keep my life story as short as possible but you know the show always has to go on and indeed at the age of four, I had my ear ripped off by a puma when I was playing hide and seek on the circus. Um, for more details on that, look at the link. There's a, there'll be a link under this video, I'm guessing, uh, on YouTube where you'll be able to download my autobiography for free. But basically, this got ripped off. I've got scars down there, claw marks on my back. I was nearly killed. And I know some people watching this wish I had been uh, because they believe the crap on the internet. Point is, I grew up on the circus, but like most kids, I got to that age as I was growing up that I wanted to rebel against my parents. Um, I also got bullied a lot as a kid because I had ginger hair, and it was pretty much orangey ginger when I was young, that's why I tend to keep it short, because then it's 
not obvious. The longer it gets, the more gingery it is. When I was young, I got bullied about that. The times I did spend in normal school when we weren't travelling, I'd get bullied about my dad being a clown. I was the odd one out, perceptively. I should have gone to stage school. My mum didn't want me to. That's a different story. Ultimately, I wanted... I, part of me wanted to stop performing because I felt that was the root of me getting bullied. The other part of me wanted to be performing because it was great. Applause. Uh, laughter. Money. Money was good. I mean, it's scary, but I was earning money that did make adults jealous. So, you know, people... Jealousy is a weird thing with people. Uh, I was appearing, you know, at the age of six. I was in the Daily Murray newspaper, big massive feature, I was appearing on TV. This made other kids jealous. It made teachers jealous. It, it's been the story of my life, frankly. Um, but I rebelled against my parents. I didn't want to be a clown, but I still wanted to perform. So at the age of... I was about four and a half, I think it was, when we were on the Golden Mile in Blackpool, and my dad and me were helping to run the front on the, the Paul Daniels Magical Exhibition Show. And we were doing um, Paul's head chopper routine between us on the front to get the crowd in to pay the money to go and look at all these exhibits from his TV shows. And he was mega, mega name at the time. Well, he still is, but I mean, he, that was... He was the man. Uh, arguably, I think he still is, but nonetheless. And I was buying all the tricks that were on sale with the money I was earning. I'd also found out there were magic shops and all this stuff in Blackpool. And even though I was young, I was buying this stuff. So I started really young on the magic, and it, by the time I was about eight, I'd rebelled against my dad with the clowning, but found that I could earn money performing doing magic. And then I discovered a company called Magic Bugs by Post. And at the time they were based in Bristol, and if I recall, run by a guy called Don Wallace. And they had books on hypnosis. And this thing called cool reading, which I didn't know anything about, which was a technique for anyone who doesn't know that you can apparently appear to be psychic and tell people about the past, the present, the future. And I started devouring all these books. And around the same time, I used to go to the library with me mum. And I only had a kid's library card, obviously, but I'd I, I borrow magic books from the library on my mum's card, because there were better ones than the adult library. And by that point, I'd moved on. And right next to the magic books, there was this self-out section. And I was a bit screwed up in the head because of bullying. And I thought, there was one there called How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. So I got it out, and it was all this... There was loads of stuff in it. Some of it works, some of it doesn't. Um, but then I started getting out more and more self-out books. And I'd already got hypnosis books, but the stage hypnosis ones essentially said it was all bollocks excuse the language, said it was all bollocks and you told people, just play along, I'll give you money afterwards. Because um, at the time I'd not got my hands on the uh, Encyclopedia of Stage Hypnosis by Alman McGill, which I did get later, that said it was real. Um, so I read more and more books and it did sort out a lot of stuff in my own head and then I realised, haha, it was like a revenge moment. It's sad, but, and it was the wrong motivation, but I'm sure a lot of people have got into hypnosis for the wrong reasons. They say, you know, therapists are merely people searching for answers to their own problems when they get into it. Well, I think a lot of stage hypnotists, I'm not going to mention names, but there's a lot now that have still got 
severe psychological fucking issues. Uh, fortunately, and certainly the ones that I choose to associate and spend time with, have got over that point. But I did go through that stage of, this will give me a power and I can get my own back on the bullies and, you know, people, I'm in control. And it was, it was an ego boost. And it's like, sleep, you bastard. And But that was all in my head, because obviously I was only about 10, 11, 12 by this time. But then I started working doing the sound for a stage hypnotist who was a fesh member, oddly enough. Um, well, he was in later years. I, I, I was about 13, approaching 14 at the time, and his name was Paul Niles. Um, I don't think he was, he might have been a fesh member then, he certainly was a, in the couple of years afterwards. And he basically employed me to do close up magic before his shows. And then in the intervals, um, I'd do a bit, but also I'd control the sound for him during his show. So I was watching his show night after night, and I came to realise that there's some, there is something in this. It's not just saying play along or anything like that. There was weird stuff going on. I thought, you know what? If I say what he says and do what he does, I reckon this will work. Hmm. And by this time, I'd also started doing psychic pairs, using the cold reading and tarot reading techniques. To make money doing that and um, let's not get into the ethics of that it's something i now don't do because I, I just think in many ways it's wrong but i was doing and i was claiming to be a genuine psychic and i was doing these contacting the dead shows in civic halls throughout the northwest big um, mini provincial theaters with like six seven hundred seats and doing the whole i'm getting a message from the other side but much to my eternal shame i did do that and if anything I regret in life, it would be the fact that I did do that. Although the reason I stopped doing it is because of a weird experience I had, and I don't care if people believe this or not, where at Middleton Civic Hall, one night when I was coming out with all the bullshit and the script, I just found myself saying loads of stuff that to me was incredibly creative bullshit that wasn't the normal script, and of course I purely imagined it, of course I'll rationalise it that way and all the books say that and clearly therefore rationally that's what happened but my granddad who died not that long prior to that I saw him at the side of the st stage and I finished doing what I was doing and it was the most accurate, I mean everything I said was yeah everyone said yeah 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 and all that perhaps I've just got second nature good at cold reading which a lot of people thought do fall into the trap of uh, and perhaps I was still grieving for my granddad or more likely is that I just imagined it all but that's when I stopped doing those shows I just couldn't do them anymore um, it, was just, it just felt wrong so I saw an ad in the exchange of Matt, which is like a UK trade thing that well, they advertise all manner of crap, but they also had business opportunity section. And it said, become a, a certified hypnotherapist. I thought, oh, a piece of paper saying how good I am. Um, so I got it. And I invested the money at the time. It was 125 quid, I think, and I got three audio cassettes and a, a, and a, a manual. <laughs> We'll edit there, purely yeah, because the door is going. In fact, we won't edit. Um, but Because people think, if we edit, you know, we'll get people saying that this is made up. Um, 
and they'll just uh, come out with a whole load of other rubbish and lies and vindictive uh, stuff. So we're not going to edit that because people will just end up going, what was edited? He's lying again. And they'll come out with loads of vindictive crap. I think we should start again. All oh, right. <laughs> no, we're not starting again. Right, we're going to take a minute to call because his missus has come in. Then, then we'll start again. Anyway, we're back. So he just let it go in again. Sorry about that, guys. Um, as you'll see, we've not edited anything out because I don't want <laughs> to give anyone any excuse to be going on the internet typing crap. Where was the ID? Uh, where were we? Yeah, I bought this course. 125 quid I got the grand total of three one hour audio cassettes and, <laughs> and a 60 sheets of A4 paper which basically told me how to well I'll tell you what he told me it basically said uh, read this and then that'll put them to sleep read this that'll deepen it read that and if it's a smoking read that script or read this one for weight this one for confidence then read this one to wake them up and take the money off them and I thought, oh, is that all there is to it? So I lied about my age, went to the local paper. Once I'd passed the exam, which I sent off, got me a piece of paper back saying I was a member of the Association of Professional Hypnotherapists and Parapsychologists. Ooh, and it looked really nice and all that. Um, just like any hypnosis training qualification, uh, not worth the paper it's printed on, as I later found out, because they're all worthless. Uh, yeah, there's no legally recognised one in England or pretty much anywhere. It, it's bollocks, it's winky wang, but anyway, that's a different matter. I started doing this stuff therapeutically-wise when I was 14, and also at the psychic fairs I started doing hypno-demonstrations, like locking the hands together for mini-lecture bit to get more, more, more people for readings. But I started doing the hypno-shows properly by the time I was 15. I'm now 36, fast approaching 37. Uh, do you maths yourself? Um, that's how I find myself now and obviously over the years as I learned stuff, developed stuff, found better ways of doing things, I started teaching other people and that's kind of, that's how I find myself, well, thought it was a train brought me here to see you today Rob, but it's kind of how I find myself, that's how I became a hypnotist. Okay, awesome. Now, there's been a lot of, obviously, as I said, a lot of crap out there, a lot of rumours, a lot of gossiping and things. So many people, in fact, and I don't think it's unfair for me to say this, many people would describe you as probably the most hated hypnotist on the face of the planet, or any other planet for that matter, if there are hypnotists on other planets. So with that in mind, uh, where would you say that comes from? Ultimately, I've thought about this a lot, I've looked around, ultimately I'm aware of an awful lot of people, including certain big names in the hypnosis training industry, uh, including people who once, whilst I was helping them to earn money, uh, were all very friendly with me. And then when I chose to end my association with them, uh, decided to start publishing lies about me, um, that have made this happen in so much as, you know, perpetrating these myths that, well, uh, it must be crappish training cause why is it so cheap? Well, the reason it's so cheap is, that's why bread is cheap in supermarkets. It's Price war, market wars. Well, supermarkets make a bloody fortune. Stack them high, sell them cheap. 
It's because it's cheap that over a million of my products and DVDs have been shipped all around the world over the past X number of years. It's because it's so cheap that I get slagged off by other hypnosis trainers because it's basically losing their money. And there'll be some of them watching this, sat there screaming at the bloody, you know, screen. And frankly, tough shit. Those people I couldn't give a wank about. I couldn't. I couldn't. I've got a business to run. I've now got a daughter and a missus to feed, as well as myself. I've got my own life to live. If those people that, uh, you know, slag me off, concentrated on their own business uh, and marketing themselves, they'd be successful enough that they wouldn't have these issues. But why do I think it is? Because I undercut everyone in terms of training on price. More than that, I also teach the truth. And I tell people that when you've learned certain things on that particular subject, don't spend any more money on training, or you're going to get a regurgitated shine from other people, uh, given new names, repackaged in a different manner, at overly inflated prices, when in truth, when you stand back and look at it, you already know it. Now, I will say to them, by all means, learn something entirely different, and I'll let them go on a different course, but once they've done that course, in that subject matter, I'll say to them, don't spend any more money on that subject matter, because you already know it. Whereas there's too many trainers out there, come and learn this, and then at the end of it, all they're doing is the teacher a certain amount, but they make you feel that you need to know more, so you go on the next course, the next course, the next course. It's like a bloody religion. Um, I think it gets called NLP these days. No, it's also <laughs> hypnosis, that was just a joke. But, you know, it, it applies with life coaching, NLP, hypnosis. It's, it's to make money out of people, and I think that is actually wrong. And there's nothing wrong with making money, okay? But you can make money without shafting people. Don't give people the idea or dream that they can learn X, Y, Z and then they find out, oh, they need more and more. Don't take someone on a course so you can learn these skills, become a therapist, and they walk away and they've not been taught any ways of getting clients, which is even more important. And don't lie like the majority of you trainers do uh, and say that, oh, I teach you this technique and I know it works, when the only place you've ever seen it work is in the bloody training room with people who spent money so they're in all rapport and they're believing in you as some sort of guru when you've never done it, the majority of you, in the bloody real world. Most of these trainers, when you research them, have not been out there and done a bloody show. Or if they have, they've done a handful. They haven't travelled the pissing world doing it. Most of these therapists out there are lucky if they can pay the bleeding mortgage with what they're earning, let alone live a lifestyle where they can buy their own property outright for cash like I did. These people are jealous, basically, and jealousy breeds vindictiveness and contempt. And yes, I sound like an egotistical twat, and that's going to create even more comments on the internet of what's this Jonathan Royal on about. And you know, later on, when I tell you briefly about elite hypnosis boot down bootcampeven.com people are going to be typing what the fucking hell's this elitehypnosisbootcamp.com about what's Jonathan Ryan on about now this is another one of his scams but here's the thing if even 1% even half a percent of the crap, the shite the vindictive, jealous comments and fabricated rumours on the internet were in any way true uh, to the level people make them out to be there's one or two things where I've got a teeny element of truth, as I'm sure you're going to touch on later. Um, then basically, I'd be in prison now. They'd have thrown away the key. The fact is, I'm not. And I'm not difficult to find. I've got websites galore, email, Facebook accounts. Uh, you know, I'm very well known in the town I live. 
Uh, I even, you know, I even do shows for people like the police. Um, so why has that not happened? Basically, there's a lot of jealous people out there. Most of the people that do it on these forums, you know, they hide behind a username. You don't know who the person really is. They're making out the done XYZ, but you know what? <laughs> who are they? If they have the balls to put the name to it, and the ones that do have the balls to put the name to it, uh, either are hypnosis trainers, whether it's stage or therapy or NLP, so they've got a vested interest because I'm losing them money, um, I'm telling the truth whereas they basically are lying or if they're not lying they're one of the delusional brainwashed individuals that themselves has gone through that process of getting ripped off so cognitive dissidence kicks in and they can never allow themselves to admit that they wasted thousands of pounds on learning this stuff when in actual fact for a fraction of the cost they could have learned all that and more from me um, so it's jealousy, it's vindictiveness it's people having a vested interest because I'm helping them lose money um, and yet the people who take my courses tend to end up finding they're making more money. Um, jealousy. It's human nature, sadly. It's human nature. And what's saddest of all about it is these people are supposed to be the majority of them. Therapists who know how to help, him, uh, help people change their lives and they're supposed to be caring and ethical. <laughs> You can't get more unethical than bloody slagging people off namelessly or putting your name to it but with a vested interest of the fact that you're losing money because I tell the truth and sell things cheaper. And that honestly is, I know that will piss some people off, but that is, well it's my perception of the truth. Just to cut in before I've got more questions, but just to cut in very briefly, I think it would be probably a good idea if I give my kind of perspective on things. You know, I've. I'd uh, actually uh, kind of invested in training with Alex long before I'd heard any of the rumours. Uh, I literally just sort of read the details and went for it and then did my research later and we're talking like a year later. Um, but so I kind of experienced the training before all of the crap on the internet but very recently so we're talking like a decade later, uh, in fact it was within the past three or four months, somebody sent me a message on Facebook. Um, and I'm fairly approachable, I'll generally reply, if somebody wants a reply, I'll generally reply. And somebody sent me a message and it said, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to unfriend you on Facebook, uh, it's nothing personal against you, um, it's simply because I know that you're very good friends with Alex and, uh, and he's a con man, he's a liar and he's scammed one of my friends and he's done this and he's done that. So I did, I did take the time to reply and I said, don't bother unfriending me, I've, I've done it for you and I went ahead and unfri unfriended that person before they had a chance. And I did reply and I basically said, you know, from my point of view, um, Alex has never done anything to scam or con or hurt me and I'm sure he's had plenty of opportunities if he wanted to. He taught me hypnosis in the first place and for a long time when Alex wasn't doing shows, uh, which is until just recently, and even now, uh, Alex has passed thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds worth of work in my direction. Um, you know, we're talking shows upon shows upon shows, just shows that were his inquiries that came through his website or through his advertising, which isn't even for the most part in place anymore as he stopped doing shows, but people still somehow found him through agencies or through other things and he's just passed it in my direction. So uh, if anything, Alex has made me lots of money, other than the initial training anyway, has made me a lot of money, Not certainly not never taken anything from me. Um, and fairly recently I invented, uh, as many of you will have come across, the Seesaw Hypnotic Induction. Which is cool. Which I showed Alex mm -hmm. at, a, at a seminar and uh, within uh, 24 hours Alex had offered me a large sum of cash, we're talking thousands of pounds, 
to buy the rights to the seesaw induction to put it out on DVD and I said okay I don't have experience with putting out products you do so I would rather make some money from it up front than than have all the hassle of putting out DVDs so uh, within about another 24 hours the uh, the money was in my hand in in cash so to anybody that says he's strapped for a penny um, I can't say anything I was handed that sum of money in, which I'm not going to disclose but in cash and uh, we went and had a meal uh, which Alex paid for and the truth is Alex got cash for gold and Paul and the Royal Alex said no I didn't that was a joke I just went to the bank and got the cash um, we, we then went for a meal which Alex paid for and I can honestly say I've never been hard done by I've had, been experiencing interactions with Alex for 10 years now we've been friends for many years of those 10 years and uh never had any problems whatsoever he's always been helpful to me so there you go make of that what you will um so Sorry, Claire, can i just point and say uh the you know if people bother to contact me you know there's like chris lee for example someone else who i taught um i passed him literally i lost track of how many shows because you know there's been stuff that's been closer to him than there's been geographically for you to get to or you've been double booked as well I passed Chris Lee thousands upon thousands of pounds worth of shows there are numerous other hypnotists out there that I've taught or advised and helped along the way they may have learned through other sources that I passed thousands of pounds of work, work to and oddly enough you'll never see them slagging me off on the internet how strange because they know the truth um, absolutely uh, speaking of truth uh, a few years ago now there was uh, a lot of stuff written in the press uh, obviously, uh, as you quite regularly say, you've had a lot of press uh, coverage, mm -hmm. and obviously some of that would be deemed by a lot of people as negative publicity. Mm -hmm. uh, you know the old thing about no publicity is bad publicity? Well, there are people out there who would argue that you had some bad publicity. For example, there were some uh, media stories that claimed or stated that you uh, hypnotised women for sex. So it's never been really addressed on camera like this, so this is your chance. Did I do it? Didn't I do it? Um, right, did I hypnotise women to get them into bed? Um, the most honest answer to that is going to be yes, because in context, and this some twat's going to get this edited. They will. <laughs> I promise you, they will. Uh, they do that. They, 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 they've got sad little lives, and they take loads of different YouTube clips and find one word here, one word there, put it together. There's some already on, on, on YouTube as we speak. And it's just like, sad, get a life, go out, concentrate on your own business. Stop being jealous wankers, you know. Uh, but they will do, we'll, they'll take that out of context. The reason I'm saying yes is because at the end of the day, hypnosis doesn't exist, but I'll say, it's merely psychological trickery. And any seduction uh, encounter between any male and female or any man-man or female, female, whatever turns you on. Or man and gold, who knows? Um, <laughs> but any interaction involves psychological flirting. And flirting is like hypnosis. So, obviously, I, I'm male and I had relationships, so therefore, if you take the honest approach to hypnosis, that it is just language, conversation, um, and responding to situations generally with a motive in end, and in a relationship, generally your motive, if you want to get to know somebody is, for that to occur, then yes, I have. In the context portrayed by the media, as in, sleep, you will sleep with me, I am now Mel Gibson, a person of your dreams, no. Each and every one of the females that spoke to the press was a pay, either a paid glamour model, 
are a normal model or a female who wanted to make some money by telling lies to the newspaper. Uh, I have on file the signed consent forms from these people. That is the reason I'm not in prison because otherwise to have done that would be rape. And guess what? I'd be in prison. But that's just it. It's not true. No one ever looks at it logically and goes, duh, you know, they know where I live. If that was true, I would be in prison. Um, the fact is that I've got the consent forms. It was made up. Uh, the Sun newspaper article, the female that spoke to them saying this happened back in 1994, actually worked at Yates' Wine Lodge in Rochdale, uh, where I used to go in drinking, and she was up for uh, a, a nice wad of money in a hand to say these things. Uh, the day the paper came out, I was stuck with her having a drink. Um, and they, just a drink. Yeah, just a drink. Uh, the things in the Daily Sport, you know, there was one, one in there, apparently a sex tape, and this was shown on the dark side of oh. stage hypnosis as well. That sex tape, that was a paid glamour model. She was paid. It's very, you know, for, otherwise it would have been, A, a that would have been rape, if it was true, and um, be in prison, and B, um, you know, th th they'd have like aided and abetted the Daily Sport by publishing the article uh, and the, new, the, the TV by sensationalising it. They all knew, the Daily Sport full well knew, because they weren't prepared to put that video on their website without having seen the consent forms from the glamour model who'd been paid for this offensive, in some people's minds, publicity stunt. But guess what? It made me a hell of a lot of money. And that's what people get jealous and vindictive about. They go, oh yes, but it tarnishes the hypnosis industry. Does it? It didn't stop me getting work. It didn't stop me getting that much work that was passing work on to you in recent years, to Chris Lee over the past decade or so, to other hypnotists. So, what's actually the problem here? My article that I engineered and fabricated to get publicity, so I would be better known than other hypnotists in the industry, so I would get more shows and make more money. So I ran my business intelligently. Um, or the fact that other people spend too much time focusing on uh, me having done that and being jealous of the fact they haven't and distracting themselves from spending time concentrating on their own careers. Or, yeah, then they could come back and go, yeah, but it makes hypnosis look bad for everyone. That was the case. If it was really that much of an issue, why was I still getting chores? Why was I and still am passing chores on to other people? Uh, some of them, you know, the most recent show I did, and that was only in August this year, we're now filming this in September, was for a big four-figure sum. Um, why is this still happening? My career should have been over straight away there and then. The fact is, it was perceptively bad publicity, it was good for me. If it affected other people, that's because they hadn't taken the time to learn marketing and how to use it to their advantage. Personally. It's a fair point. Okay, so cool. Okay, so again, speaking of, uh, of the media, and obviously uh, you mentioned News of the World and various other publications, and one of the things that News of the World uh, talked about was your time in prison. And, uh, you know, there are other big-name hypnotists who shall remain nameless, who have public, who've written about you appearing in, in uh, uh, spending time in a particular prison. Uh, so do you want to... Uh, yeah, well let me just correct you. The News of the World actually never did any article about me being in prison. It was a result of the News of the World article that I ended up in prison. Okay. Okay. Now this news article in the News of the World said, alleged, that I was a drug smuggling, get this, drug smuggling, and I'm talking grade A drugs here, allegedly 
I'm supposed to have done, and remember, some idiot's going to edit this as some kind of weird confession. Um, the fact is that allegedly I was a drug smuggling, not true, counterfeit money supplying, not true, Uzi gun salesman, not true, pimp, not true, of underage girls, and not true. If any of that was true, okay, or, or all of it, believe me, I mean, I, I, I would be. Just check out Stone's Book of the Law. I would be inside for a life sentence, okay? Let's go to the chase. I spent six, just under six weeks in prison. Now, the question is why, if I hadn't done those things, did I spend six weeks in prison? Here's the truth. This is all documented in my autobiography. You can download for free at the link that's on the description for this video with names, dates, places, times, court references. So you can go and get the documents that are in the public domain and see that what I'm saying is true. Okay, because people are going to say, we're just making this up. No, go and get the court documents. Or get the copy of the Manchester Evening News newspaper that was published the evening that I'd been sent to prison for six weeks. Well, it was classed as a six-month sentence. I walked out of prison in six weeks, which we'll come to in a minute. Um, that article clearly stated, as will the court documents, um, you know, the court usher that keeps track of everything, that the police... The police that had no choice but to arrest me, which we'll come to in a minute why, but the police, the Crown Prosecution Service, who had no choice but to bring the case under the circumstances, you'll understand why in a minute, uh, the police, the CPS, um, the judge even stated in court that they all knew and accepted, beyond any reasonable doubt based on the evidence presented, that it was nothing more than a fabricated engineered publicity stunt where I made one tiny mistake and this publicity stunt was set up as they as was stated in court and they accepted and that's a matter of public record to expose the news of the world and also to expose other newspapers and especially certain dodgy journalists for the stories that they make up that don't have a grain of truth in the majority of entertainment journalism and, well, news journalism, certainly at that time, I'm not on the inside now, but at that time was basically fiction. It was made up, literally made up. Um, it was to expose the illegal techniques that they used, entrapment, uh, making things up, overly encouraging people, forcing them to do things, phone tapping. Now, let me just point something out here. I published my autobiography in print six over six years ago now. It's registered with the British Library in England. It's got an ISBN number. It's been on worldwide sale through Amazon and other bookstores, online and offline. That book's got all the names, dates, places in. I named journalists by name, including Mazza Mahmood at the News of the World, including uh, other journalists. I'll let you read the book, because it's free and you can download it. I name them by name, I give names, dates, places, times and facts. The launch of that autobiography, once it had been copyrighted and went on sale, was publicised in the Sunday Times, the respected UK tabloid newspaper. It was uh, publicised in the Sunday Times, the, I'm pretty certain it was the Daily Mail as well, and I think it was the Guardian. It was the more respectable UK papers. They publicised the fact that I published an expose, that my autobiography included an expose of what really went on with the news of the world and other major UK newspapers and also TV companies. 
And now they fabricated things. And all the talk show scandal that went on. I exposed the bloody lot. They published some of this in the newspapers. If that was not true, I can guarantee you that news organisations that are multi-million and billion pound companies would have sued my bloody ass off. They would have got the book removed from sale. Guess what? The book's still on sale. No one ever took any legal action. They couldn't because everything I've just said is true and provable with court documents, provable with evidence beyond any reasonable doubt that they, the media, the newspapers, and all I've got to say about the news of the world is, the news of the world is no more. If you don't know about that, search the internet. But everything I said years ago, everything I said has been proven true and the silly bastards, and this really does piss me off. They've been slagging me off about that news of the world thing that I did to try to expose them years ago, as is explained in my autobiography. And I, was, I fucking found out this dodgy journalist were trying to stitch me up. I don't mean at the news of the world. I mean an entertainment journalist. So... And he was going to try and do it via the News of the World. So I set myself up by sending an anonymous letter to the News of the World alleging that I knew this person, Jonathan Royal, and that I discovered that he sold drugs and he supplied underage girls, counterfeit money and guns, and really he was a gangster. Now, when I suddenly got a phone call... On the pay-as-you-go mobile phone, telephone number that I bought specifically and only ever given out to that anonymous letter, I knew it's the News of the World undercover journalist. It's not rocket science, no one else has got the number, alright? But I make out like I don't know. Oh, who's that? Oh, can I? I don't How did you get this number? And they come up with this rubbish, like they've been told to, you better make out it's come from someone in such and such a pub where he does most of his business. So I play along with this rubbish. Oh yes, okay, yes, I'll meet with you. So when I go and meet Mahmoud, I know that it's the news of the world because they're the only person that had that number. I'm the one who sent the bloody thing in the first place. I know I'm going to meet an undercover journalist, not some bloody millionaire oil sheet like he made out. Oh, why people kept falling for that? God only knows. <laughs> I know that I'm being secretly filmed, but guess what? I'm making a record of everything that takes place as well. And that is ultimately why, you know, the video footage the News of the World gave over as evidence against me just substantiated everything I said. And a blind man watching those videos could see that I knew I was being filmed because I was playing to the secret cameras. Because I knew, having had dealings with undercover journalists in the past, as in helping them with stories, uh, that's all in my autobiography, that I could tell that this wasn't a normal briefcase, for example. It was over there. I could tell that wasn't a normal... I actually played to the camera on certain occasions, and I did on purpose, saw that when I got questioned, and I knew it probably ended up happening, when I got questioned by the police, I could say, and my solicitor did, look at the videos, and, bef and remember, I hadn't seen the videos they'd taken, but my solicitor was able to say, because I said to him, look at the videos, and at a certain point, I turned towards one of the cameras directly, and I scratched the side of my head, and then winked. Things like that. The... Anyone normal would have forgotten. They looked at the videos, and this got everyone to thinking of, he knew he was filming. And then, so they watched them in more depth, and it was decided off that, and other evidence, as I mentioned in the autobiography, that without a doubt, 
I knew I was being filmed. Without a doubt, I knew it was Mazza Mahmood. Without a doubt, I knew it was an undercover journalist. Without a doubt, I fabricated it all and made that incident happen. I never supplied any guns. I never supplied any drugs. I never supplied any underage girls. As for the article saying that I supplied them uh, of age, of legal consent, um, females, the fact is, I took their copy of the Manchester Evening News that was in their hotel suite, found the number for a massage parlour in Manchester, rung it up from their hotel phone and said, I've got two uh, business guys here that are looking for some girls to entertain them. How much will it be? Turned to them and said, it's this much, do you want them? I made a phone call for them to an advert in a paper. I wasn't there when money changed hands. I didn't try to initiate anything. I didn't do anything illegal whatsoever. So, why did I go to prison? I went to prison because I also wanted to expose um, a criminal, basically, as an added benefit to exposing the undercover journalist. So I did acquire 1,000 counterfeit pound coins. Now, I knew that these were going to be handed to Mazama Mood, and therefore he would then hand them to the police, and therefore they would never get into public circulation. So therefore, they're never going to get into the public domain. I justified that because I knew they would never get into the public domain, that therefore it would also get the police to investigate where did they come from, and obviously I'd be helpful in their inquiries, that I was doing the police a favour. Now I did find out during the course of all this, you know, that news of the world journalists quite regularly would buy... And they tell you in the stories, you read them, this is no shock, they will give people money and buy drugs off them. Which is technically a criminal offence in itself buying them. But because they were journalists and it was for the public good, and they handed the stuff over to the police, yeah, and the story exposed it all, thus protecting the public, apparently that was alright, so the undercover journalists didn't get sent down. I was figuring, because I could prove that I'd set it all up, that I knew what was going on and I was going to expose the news of the world because during this they did do a few things that could be classed as entrapment and illegal <coughs> that that would be my get out of jail free card so it's fine I'll just get the counterfeit coins that'll get someone put in prison who's committed a, a, a real criminal offence and it'll also in the process expose the news of the world sadly the judge said he, 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 he couldn't because it had come to that he couldn't do anything less than give me a custodial sentence. Now, su supplying those counterfeit coins was classed as um, a fraud offence, but of the nature with the coin of the round, Stone's Book of the Law said it should be a minimum, uh, a recommended, the maximum sentence for it was seven years. The average, from what I got advised, would be several years. The judge turned around in court and said he was giving me six months with a recommendation that I be released as early as was possible, given that the new electronic tagging system had just come in, because, and he made it quite clear because he accepted the fact that I'd engineered it as a publicity stunt, I'd also engineered it to expose the news of the world, and that I never had a criminal intent at any point, because I knew and had proved that I knew it was an undercover journalist, Muslim Mahmood, and that therefore the coins would never get into the public realm. 
Ultimately, I did go to prison very briefly. I spent the grand total of six weeks inside that I was released on the electronic tag that was taken off at the end of another six weeks. So from going to prison to being totally free with no electronic tag on, it was just under three months. From going to prison to being out of prison, it was just under six weeks. Not 12 months, as certain people say on the internet. Oh, and let's get this right. I've never been near, on the grounds of, or inside Wakefield Prison. Andrew Newton, the man who taught Paul McKenna, as he proudly boasts, says in his book, All in the Mind, that I spent time in Wakefield Prison. Check your facts. It's a matter of public record. It's easy to find out. If you're going to lie, at least get some of your facts right before you fabricate bullshit. Never been in or near Wakefield Prison, as the court documents and newspaper articles show, as the facts and evidence in my autobiography you can download below show. It was a publicity stunt, nothing more, nothing less. And what's ironic is <coughs> that it's become even more relevant, everything I did in, in, in recent months, because it's come to light that everything I said was and is unequivocally, without doubt, true. Very fair point, very fair point. Now, one of the things that has drummed up quite a lot of uh, discussion for you uh, on the internet is that, uh, you know, he's, he's, and particularly when people have approached me and things and they've said, oh, why do, you, why do you hang out with that nasty man? And he's done this and he's done that. And of course you've touched on it already, but they kind of blame you directly for the UK, and we're talking UK here, guys, obviously we can't have we, can't, we don't know the US market as well, but uh, for the UK hypnosis industry to be a little slow for some people, maybe, uh, they might blame you for that. How would you react to that accusation? Okay, there's lots of untruths there as well. Basically, in 1993, uh, a lady by the name of Sharon Tabar unfortunately passed away a few hours after a stage hypnosis show. This then ended up causing a media frenzy and her mother, uh, Margaret Harper, set up the campaign against stage hypnotists, or aptly as it was called, cash. Make your checks out, it's a cash, eh? No, 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 man, that's just a joke, obviously. Um, and this caused the right media ding-dong. Now, during this time, the media ding-dong, my manager at the time turned around to me and he said, at the time I was working literally seven nights a week. Prior to this hitting the newspaper, that someone had died after a hypnosis show, hypnosis was big. McKenna had just started on the TV, so everyone that was already working as I was, was booked, flat, solid, seven nights a week, sometimes two shows a night, was not unheard of. Sometimes three, you do a pub, then do a working men's club, then a nightclub. It was big, 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 big money. Um, all this media frenzy occurred. All these TV debate shows occurred and newspaper articles, magazine articles, ban stage hypnosis, it's dangerous, somebody died and all this ooh went on. And during this process, one key thing happened. My manager turned around to me the moment he hit and he said, that's the industry fucked for a bit. And I said, what do you mean? I've got all these contracts in. And I was like, booked out solid for the next 12, 18 months. He, he said, no. You're going to have to do something here. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, basically, everyone's going to be scared to book hypnotists. It's not just, not yet, just in general. So, damage limitation. And he said, you need to become like the Chubby Brown or Bernard Manning of stage hypnosis. And I went, 
Answer that damage limitation. Suddenly become after doing squeaky clean shows, pretty much at the time. He said, no, because then you can use this negative to a positive. I said, how do you mean? He said, well, then you make yourself known as the most outrageous hypnotist. Everyone will, you'll be like the hate figure on all the TV shows, but you'll get more airtime. Because you've got more airtime, they'll remember your name. And the venues that are prepared to stick the neck out are going to book you because they've heard you and you're controversial. Thought, well, I've got nothing to lose because he said it's going to go tits up. And sure enough, people have started cancelling contracts for me and for everyone else. And this is before I'd had any negative media exposure. So that it was literally on this thing. So I started going on the TV shows as the man to hate. And it was then January 1994 that the Sun newspaper article came out that was manufactured on the back of this happening towards the end of 1993 that said I hypnotised women for sex. So when the media decided to do all the TV chat shows, because I'd been like majorly featured in the media as this nasty evil hypnotist, I was the obvious choice to be the bad guy to hate on the TV shows. Up which I may point out much this pissed off a lot of the stage hypnotists as well. I was pretty much only the only person who ever got paid to be on those shows. And when other hypnotists were paid to be on them, I was getting like four figures where they were getting their expenses. Because they didn't have a show without me. My manager crafted it that way. That if I wasn't on those shows, the public would be asking, why is Mr. Controversial that's just been in the paper not on? And once I'd been on one show, the other shows couldn't do it without me being on. So I was getting paid, and because of that notoriety, I kept working where other people went out of business. But here's the key, number one. I did not do that show that the woman died at afterwards. It was a guy called Andrew Vinson. However, certain TV shows such as Here and Now on BBC One, Central Weekend Live, and The Dark Side of Stage Hypnosis may have edited things together to give the impression they talk about a woman allegedly dying after a hypnosis show and then they cut to footage of my show. So even people in the industry who should have known better came to believe that I did that show. Now there's two important things. Number one, it wasn't me. It was a guy called Andrew Vincent who was a postman by day and a hypnotist by night. Number two, it wasn't me. I know I've said that before, <laughs> but it wasn't me. And number three... Stage hypnosis, after a big investigation years down the line, was proved to be completely safe anyway. It was proven she didn't die because of hypnosis. And number four, on all the shows I went on, as much as I played up the controversial, uh, arrogant, over-the-top, mucky-smutty hypnotist character, persona, that's all it ever was, um, and started doing the mucky shows, because that then was where I had a market so I could continue living, and I didn't have to get a proper job like many who went out of business. Sorry, but that's, you know, you've got to think about your marketing. Um, I did what my manager advised. I'm not blaming it on him. I was happy to do it because I earned a lot of money. I continued performing. I continued going to places around the world. So ultimately, it wasn't me that did that show. It's because of that show and the campaign against stage hypnotist starting, which wasn't because of me, it's because of that person who did that show, it was an unfortunate set of circumstances. Her mother then sets up the campaign against stage hypnotist. The media start giving that more attention. My manager realizes the industry is gonna go down. So that's when he then advises me to turn myself into Mr. Controversial 
excuse my phone, and it's after the event that then the Sun article says I've hypnotised women for sex, which was engineered and fabricated, and then, but people have wrongly remembered it, but if you check the timeline, it was 93, alleged hypnosis death and publicity in cash starts. It was 94, Sun newspaper, dodgy hypnotist angle, people have put it together, and this thing kind of, well, who started it all? I wasn't! Just I'm one of the very few people, other than Paul McKenna, Peter Powers, Andrew Newton, and the people who are already established that are still in business to this day. A vast majority went out of business. Okay, fair enough. Now, one of the questions which I have, uh, I'm going to be most interested to ask, and one of the questions that I <coughs> that people watching at home are going to be interested about, uh, is the next one. Um, again, there's been a lot of discussion about this on the internet. A lot of people have talked about your state of affairs and things that really aren't any of their business. Uh, and this is possibly stirred on by a website that you have on the internet, mm. uh, which I'll uh, yeah. millionaireplan.net. Yeah, millionaireplan.net. This isn't to give it a plug. I just, no. if you if you don't know about it, millionaireplan.net is a website belonging to Alex, and well, you, you'll read about it in your own time. So. Uh, let's put the truth to bed. Are you, and this is the question, okay, so it's, it's only got a few words to it. Are you a millionaire? Do you want to add another word to that and make that, are you a cash millionaire? Okay, are you a cash millionaire? No. There we go. And you know what? I have never had a million pound cash in the bank. I've never said I have, either. Never ever have I said I've had a million pound cash in the bank. I blatantly said there was a time in my life when I had a net worth in excess of one million pounds, and that's true. At that period in my life, if I had sold every asset I had, as in property, copyrights, jewellery, cars, the bloody lot, even at second hand prices, I would have ended up with over a million pound in cash. I also would have had no house to live in, <laughs> no, no car, uh, no jewellery, you know, but the actual statement I made a long time ago is completely, factually, provably correct. And every single word on millionaireplan.net is provable in law, otherwise I'd get done for fraud, simple as that. I did, for cash, pound notes in a briefcase, walk in and pay outright cash for my own property to live in, as in buying it, owning it lock, stock and barrel, having the deeds to it, not owing them money, not bo having borrowed any money, just gone to the bank, drawn out the cash, gone and paid for it, then I own it, before I was 30 years old, thanks to the wonderful world of hypnosis. That is fact, provable with documents, with evidence, with the deeds, with the bank receipts, Anyone doesn't believe it, take me to court for false advertising and I'll prove that I did buy my property outright for cash before the age of 30. Simple as. Um, for those on the internet that say, oh yes, but it was a flat in a, a set of um, flats that's known as, dubbed by the locals as Smackhead Towers. Let's get this right. Heights. Heights. Heights, yes, yeah, sorry, yes, yeah, Smackhead's Heights. Let's get this right. None of the locals call the flats where I bought the flat outright for cash to my kids They call the flats across the road, which are called failing, they uh, 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 are referred to by some people as 
druggy, dickhead area. The truth is, the majority of people on there are actually very nice people. Every area has got its own little role, but that's actually the area in Rochdale that gets referred to, not where I bought for cash. Uh, that's point number one. Point number two for those that say, ah, but if you're doing so well, why do you still live there? Let's get this right. I don't. <laughs> Simple as, go on Facebook, go to facebook.com uh, forward slash Alex the Hypnotist, check my photo albums, you'll see pictures of my three bedroomed house, the gardens front and back that I moved to a couple of years ago, whilst the flat that I bought outright for cash is being rented out privately. Um, it's easily checkable, but you know what it's odd? Vindictive, jealous people uh, often don't want to take the time to check out the truth or don't want to believe it because then they've got to ask themselves, well, if what he's saying is true, uh, perhaps what other people are saying that are slagging him off, which uh, isn't true, which means I've been oh, guilty of spreading lies and rumours because I believe this crap other people are perpetrating. Uh, well, if you've done that, just stop spreading the crap and take the time to find the truth. Um, yeah, simple as. Fair point. So there we go. Now, uh, moving on. Um, I'd like to have a million pound cash in the bank, by the way. I'd love to. Uh, but I never have had and currently haven't. Just, just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just get that out of there. Yeah. And the other thing that I wanted to ask uh, is you've got kind of got a bit of a problem, a bit of beef with a couple of different groups of people and we'll, ad we'll address them individually but I'm going to mention them together. Mm -hmm. uh, one would be other hypnosis trainers. Now granted a lot of people yeah. would say that maybe you're jealous of them or something. I don't know because I've no idea why but that's what they would suggest. So other people who teach hypnosis but also this kind of new breed of uh, they call themselves street hypnotists. We would call it hobby hypnosis. It's kind of hypnosis where you're not really being paid for it. I mean, <laughs> as much as I have a huge, as much as I have a huge passion for uh, hypnosis, I wouldn't do it unless I was being paid for it. I do the odd charity show. I try and do two or three a year, but that's pretty much it. Um, so I certainly, I certainly couldn't quite understand the point in doing it without being paid. Uh, so we would call them hobby hypnotists. You might be one, fair enough. But Alex has got a problem against what well, you've got a problem against hypnosis trainers and hobbyists. So no, 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 no. Let's get this right. I haven't got a problem against hypnosis trainers in general. Yeah. Or hobby hypnotist or street hypnotist. Let's totally clarify this and get this right because people keep twisting this out and they think because I mentioned people by name on the internet before which I have for example Anthony Jacqueline the head hacking crew things like that I've mentioned their names in certain YouTube videos or on the internet so they think it's a personal attack it's not let's get this right I have no issue about impromptu street or hobby hypnotist I have no issue with people teaching that I have no issue with people doing that on the street or in bars or clubs for fun, whether it's for money or, for, or not. I have no issue in people combining hypnosis with magic or mentalism. As long as it is done legally, lawfully, but more importantly than all of them, and this is the key point that everyone's missed, people that are in those camps, I can understand my thing. Jonathan Royals attacking us. No, it's not about you personally, guys or girls. 
it, it's it's about the, the, it's not even about the concept. It's about the point is safety. That's it in a nutshell. Safety. Standing on the edge of a pavement, for example, if someone has an ab reaction, and a lot of these people don't haven't had enough training. Not saying all of them. Some of these people have not had enough training uh, to know what to do with an ab reaction. Now we've both seen ab reactions, and it is very possible that someone can have an ab reaction, especially if they're stood near the edge of a pavement, and suddenly panic and run off. And because they're in a heightened emotional state, they may just run into the road. It is feasible, therefore, they could get hit. The next death linked to hypnosis will be a death that's caused by hypnosis. Or rather, it will be caused by a lack, it won't be the hypnosis per se, it will be the lack of due care and attention, as is required in law, whether you're doing it for money or not, you have a duty of care to the person you're hypnotising to do things totally safely. And there is nobody, and there is nobody, teaching health and safety to the correct level for stage, street or impromptu hypnosis, other than, well there wasn't anyone frankly, properly to a level, uh, Lee Darrow in America put together a stage hypnosis safety course, quite good, uh, but nowhere near as comprehensive, and this isn't a plug, but we eventually, I sat down, I wrote you in, uh, Chris Lee, Nick Davis, um, um, Stuart Harrison, the hypnotist Cassells, who's an ex-health and safety officer of major indoor and outdoor events that have included government events, you know, real dangerous stuff. He knows his stuff, he's now a hypnotist. To put together the ultimate safety training. Now everyone's thinking, ah, but you want to sell that, don't you? You want to make money. Doesn't make a blind bit of odds to me. Because I knew people would say, when the solution came out, that it was about me making money, I took a nominal fee, a one-time fee that didn't even cover the time it took me to do the filming, bearing in mind I never worked for less than 250 quid an hour for therapy, or these days four-figure sums for shows, it, 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 it wasn't even 10% of what the time it took for the seminar filming. Uh, and I sold the rights outright to Russell J. Hall of Magic, M-A-G-I-C-K, uh, Limited, a magic shop in Sheffield. Uh, his website's magictogo.com. I don't make a single penny from the sale of those DVDs. And none of us that were speakers make a single penny from the sales of those DVDs. And uh, regards to the insurance that I've actually found, people, which is no legal requirement, even if it's just hobby, uh, for stage and street, that's just £125 a year, it's gone down in price, um, which you can only get by studying the transparency template DVDs. I don't get any backhand off the insurance company. To get that would be illegal, because I'm not a registered insurance broker. I don't make any money out of it. So why did I do it? Because I want the industry to be safe. I want the public to be safe because I don't want someone actually having a real bloody accident that causes negative media publicity. Now some people have forgotten what was said earlier and go, aha, that's uh, hypocritical of you to say when you were the cause of all negative public. But remember, I wasn't. I didn't do the show. I wasn't the cause of the campaign against stage hypnotists. I just manipulated and jumped on the bandwagon to stay in business and make money. And when so many went out of business, I'm still trading. But now that I'm still trading, I definitely don't want either myself or my colleagues 
to go out of business. I don't want anyone I've taught, and there's thousands of people worldwide I've taught, including people who are famous television names now in their own country. Um, I don't want the industry to be affected. And if people don't do things safely, then sooner or later, that accident, I can see it happening. If people do things totally safely, then it can, it will probably be avoided. And then, so I've not got anything against the idea. I've do, I do a bit of it myself sometimes. There's videos of me doing it, straight hypnosis on YouTube. Some that were filmed this year when we all met up in Manchester. And, um, but the key is, A, I was insured. B, it was done totally within the law, legally and lawfully. And uh, most important of all, and this is the key, above all else, it's not about the laws, although that is relevant, it's about it being S-A-F-E, safe. It was done safely, not on the edge of a payment. It was done, the point is I also know how to deal with abreaction. There's so many elements, I'd be here for hours telling you what the dangers are. <laughs> That's why we did the transparency template, which I don't make any money from. My only motive for doing that and plugging it to line Russell's pockets. No, he's not even gonna, well, I'm sure he might buy me a pint, let's, for disclosure, at a magic convention when I see Russell next, I'm sure he'll probably buy me a pint when he's sold a lord, okay? I think that's likely to happen, but I won't be getting any commission. I'm just stating that clear. It's safety. Now people say, well, why have you turned around and openly, you know, said Anthony Jackwin's dangerous? The reason is because the context of what I was talking about, context, a word you need to learn, some of the people out there that slag me off, look at the dictionary, find out what it means. It means it's relevant to that particular circumstance only. It doesn't mean I mean that generally, generally about the person, it means in that context. In that context, I do believe Anthony Jackwin was dangerous at Blackpool Magic Convention when he hypnotised somebody and said to them that whenever anyone else said sleep, they'd go back to sleep. Because when people were saying sleep to that person, he was going back under and falling to the floor sometimes. And when he wandered outside where it was total concrete, outside the Ruskin Hotel, if it hadn't have been for my fiance going and putting him back to sleep in a manner where it was sleep, you can stand stiff and rigid because she knows what she's doing, and bringing him to me to remove, well, it, she was trying to bring him to me to remove the suggestions so it wouldn't react anymore. Unfortunately, Anthony Jackwin stepped in, or fortunately, and she watched while he apparently locked the person down. Now, I didn't know this had taken place, okay? So, he locked the person down so that he wouldn't react to anyone else and also wouldn't react to Anthony. That's it, he's safe. This makes Rachel happy. She knows that apparently he's done this, right? I say apparently, because he saw I used the right words from what she related. Anyway, this guy approaches me, not five minutes later, and I don't know anything about this. I've not witnessed the locking down bit. And he says, will you hypnotise me? So I do. I use handshake induction, he's out of it, in seconds. Safely, inside the Ruskin. Rachel then comes up and goes, looking a bit confused, and says to me, come aside. And she whispers to me, what's going on? So I bring the guy around, and I lock him down properly, so that nobody can affect him again. Because I just thought I got to him first when he came up to me. I thought, this is my opportunity to lock him down, so he's safe. I didn't realise Rachel had got to him, but then Jacqueline had intervened, so Jacqueline had apparently locked him down. So in theory, if Jacqueline had done that right, I shouldn't have been able to hypnotise him. 
Because I know that when I lock somebody down, other people can't get them under. Because I've, I've done it for a laugh at Chris Lee's shows and he's done it on me. But it's, it, if it's done right, and I'm not going to explain how that is on this because it's dangerous, uh, used in the wrong hands, they will not react. So anyway, I'm not saying that to be statistical, but I got him under. I locked him down properly. I found out what had gone on, which I then found out had also been witnessed by Stuart, a.k.a. Harrison, uh, the, the, the hypnotist, health and safety guy, uh, and various other people. And it was like, oh, my God, there's a prime example of if someone had said sleep outside, he could have fallen and hit his head on the concrete. He'd have been dead. Now, that's not personal against Anthony Jackwin. It's personal against him only in the context of that incident and the fact that I feel it was irresponsible to let somebody loose out of your sight. Which is why the 1952 Hypnotism Act says, you know, people have to have an eye kept on them during the interval of a show. It's also why the law's in place to say you have to hang around for half an hour after you brought them out of trance to make sure they're okay. Which doesn't generally go on with street hypnosis. It's you're out of it and you don't see the person again and they've wandered off. That's why there's dangers, but we address them all in transparency. It's not personal. Um, you know, anyone who studied transparency template or health and safety to a similar level and does things legally, lawfully, and in an insured manner and safely, hats off to you. I'll buy you a drink any time. Any trainers that teach street hypnosis or impromptu hypnosis, rather than becoming you and us, them and me, Becoming your head hacking crew, for example, and that's just in, in the context of this conversation. I'm nothing against it. It's great branding, it's great marketing, it's fucking brilliant. Hats off to you. But rather than it becoming them and us, almost cultish brainwashing, um, why not? You know, the offer has been made, I've got the emails to prove it. Why not integrate the knowledge of how to make it totally safe from? an experienced health and safety officer who's also a hypnotist, the most qualified person probably in England, to teach that, why not integrate that into your own courses? By, you know, I've made the offer to certain people by direct email before, which I can prove I've got on file. Why not email me, royal at magicalguru.com, and we can come to some kind of bloody agreement so it can be part of your courses, so that everyone is going out safe. Or if you don't want to do that because it's like, oh, you're getting in bed with the devil because you're still not believing the evidence that's available in the autobiography here, uh, or you're too lazy to check out that it is true, then buy the transparency template. You can buy it in knowledge that I'm not going to make a penny out of it. But you can also know that you'll end up being S-A-F-E, safe. And that's all it's ever been about, safety and the reputation of the industry. Fair enough. Okay then. Now, what are the things? Oh, hypnosis trainers. Oh yeah. The thing about them is, again, nothing against them. What I, I do have a personal gripe with is people who take money off people for a cause, whatever industry it is, and give the impression that this will teach you X, Y, Z, and then you can get out there and do it. But then during the course, they brainwash you into the idea of thinking, well, there's more to learn, and then you do that course and spend more money, and so it goes on. I think it's called NLP. Sorry, that's a joke. But uh, it's also called hypnotherapy life coaching. It's course after course after course. that create some kind of dependency um, on you need the next DVD. You need that. Cut to the chase. Tell everyone everything they need to know. Now, before I get loads of emails saying, but well, you haven't, why have you got product after product after product after product teaching different things? 
I have a lot of my hands up, yes, okay? So, in terms of practicing what I preach, which is, I don't want people wasting thousands of pounds to essentially learn stuff they could have learned a lot quicker, where it's just been drawn out, overcomplicated, given fancy names to make it sound arty-farty or professional. Frankly, from sometimes trainers who've never done it in the real world, they've just become professional trainers. They've done the practitioner, master practitioner, advanced level, then they've done a trainer, trainer course, gone out, never really seen clients or done shows, and start teaching people. In my world, that's unethical and fraud. Surely you should have provable expertise, you know? I've, I've travelled the world from Bahrain to Barbados, Spain to Sweden, all over the bloody place. I've worked for Richard Branson's private parties. I've worked for Hilton Hotels in oil-rich companies. Uh, I've been paid thousands of pounds for the world, you know, some of the world's biggest antivirus company corporate yearly AGMs to do shows. I've had therapy clients flying from all over the world and paying me four-figure sums. Uh, I, I think I've got something to share with people in terms of teaching them. So that's why I'm going to do it for free. But my money where my mouth is, I'm going to give away over five hours is nearly six hours of video training that will teach you how to make thousands of pounds or dollars a week with hypnotherapy will teach you rapid inductions and also how to hypnotize people without speaking to them it'll teach you some funky mind reading mentalism screechy type stuff and it'll teach you some therapy stuff and there'll be a complete manual with that as well you can download all you got to do to get that is go to elitehypnosisbootcamp.com that's E-L-I-T-E-H-Y-P-N-O-S-I-S-B-O-O-T-C-A-M-P.com. And I'm going to move the finger across like that, because it's like, what is it? Sammy Prince. I'll say it again. It's EliteHypnosisBootCamp.com. Uh, yeah, people make fun. By the way, just for the record, if Darren Altman ever watches this, that was a very, very funny video. It's just a shame you actually took it down off YouTube before I could download it myself and upload it to my own YouTube account. Could I have made that go completely viral? Because it was funny. That's off to you on that one. Uh, but obviously, well, it was funny. Still based on lies, rumours and vindictive shit on the net, but it was funny. Anyway. <coughs> now, speaking of lies uh, and um, vindictive, <coughs> vindictive bullshit on the yeah. internet, one of the places where this kind of breeds and is all over the place is forums. Uh, obviously, forums mm -hmm. are, you know, don't get me wrong, a fantastic place to learn and, and, and discuss your art form with other like-minded uh, people. Uh, but obviously, you are banned from a lot of them. Mm -hmm. I'm a member of them, a couple of them myself. I don't really use them very often, but I know that you, you are banned and every time if you make an account, they delete you and things like that. So, do you want to explain that why? Here's the thing. For a start, it's like, do people say... I get banned because the moment I join, all I do is post spam. Those people that say that need to actually learn what spam is. It might be worth them reading the Can Spam Act, okay, the laws relating to that. If you have joined a private group on the subject of hypnosis and you have been accepted or invited as a member, the moment you have been made a member, so therefore either invited and accepted or accepted, you are now a member of a hypnosis forum in this example. And if you post, as long as what you are posting is related and specific to hypnosis, that is not spam. If it was about um, how to make money from car boot sales, that would be spam. 
That's correct, isn't it? Essentially, no, no. I'm simplifying the can spammer. You do internet marketing as well. You know it's way more complicated than that. I've given you a simplified version. Take the time to actually learn it. But the point is, the context within which I have posted stuff in the past on hypnosis, on magic forums, has always been in a context which actually is not, is not legally defined as spam. So once again, the wrong. Okay, now it might be slightly annoying. I love my hands up there. It might be slightly annoying. But you've got a couple of choices here. Um, choice number one is, you don't read the message. <laughs> Simple as. Choice, it's like changing the channel on the TV. Choice number two is, you ignore it. Choice number three is, leave the group. Choice number four is, as the person running, complain to the person who runs the group, and I get banned. Fine. So why was I posting ads to my own products on forums? Why? Because it was in context. It offered a product that taught more for less money than most of the rippy-offy trainers out there that have not done anything in the real world. So yes, you're vindictive and you're jealous people, the same ones that post the crap on the internet, even though there's evidence, uh, including court transcripts, to prove they're the liars. Uh, and they're the ones that often at times committing fraud and defamation of character uh, perpetrate this myth that I'm banned from all the forums. Actually, I'm not banned from them all. Just, uh, just the majority, but hey. Um, <laughs> do I regret advertising on them? No. But let's address this. Oh, I've joined them all again under different names, apparently. Oh, well, I haven't. I've, I've been accused on multiple occasions. I haven't. I've, you know, I'm not, I've got, right, I bought my own property for cash before the age of 30. I get driven to shores in a bloody XR sports jag. I, I, you know, I, I, I've got better things to do with my time. Now, I may pay somebody to post adverts for me on the internet and join forums. Yeah, okay, maybe I do. But the fact that I do, what I'll tell you what that is, that's good business. That's good marketing. And as long as the postings are in context on the subject matter that that forum or group is about it is not as defined to the letter of the law. It is not spam. It is not breaking laws. Now people go, yeah, what about sending people emails? Well, guess what? The only people who get emails from me are people that have either opted into a mailing list on one of my websites, okay, which means it's totally legal and bona fide. They may have forgotten they logged, you know, joined. They may not have known it was one of my websites because I've got so many websites out there. But they've opted in, right? And the terms and conditions on that website are just like they are at elitehypnosisbootcamp.com. Oh, look, it's going across the screen again. Maybe it is or maybe it isn't. Uh, they're clearly stating that the information will be used for marketing, that the information you supply your email, you will be sent other stuff from select companies. Those select companies being my other companies. So if you suddenly get stuff from Jonathan Royal, it is not spam, you bloody well opted in and you can bloody well opt out and stop complaining. <laughs> or, or, you've got something from an affiliate who's earning money, who's actually promoting one of my products and I have no control over them sending out emails. Uh, in which case, rather than, you know, ranting on the internet, why not inbox me via my website and say, I've had this off one of your affiliates and then I, I can, you know, have it dealt with or you're getting it sent because you're in a like a news group or a forum like one of the old yahoo groups where if something sent us a special message okay as the list owner 
it goes to the inbox of everyone who's joined. So for example, you might be in my Hypnotorious Yahoo news group, or you might be in one of them, and I'm not going to tell you the names of them all, that don't appear to have been set up by me. But the thing is, there's loads of news groups I set up years ago, that people joined, that I actually pay people, my own staff, to actively slag me off on, so that people who like slagging me off would join those groups and get involved, um, and they could then that group as the list owner, which I effectively I was, I could send a special notice under a fake name of that group. Well, not a fake name, as in my staff member's real name. Not me. To not the me. group. No, it wasn't Rob. I'm just this as an example, and everyone would get that in their inbox. And but at the end of it, they'd be an ad for one of my products. Now. They might think, ooh, that's spam. No, it isn't. It's devious marketing, but you can still choose to unsubscribe from the news group. <laughs> it's that simple. Unsubscribe from the news group. Um, so, yeah, in a nutshell, uh, that pretty much sums that up, I think, as far as I'm bothered uh, wasting time answering it, because, you know, unsubscribe, opt out, don't read. It's up to you. Simple as. You don't have to read them, do you? But you know what is funny? Those actions have caused loads of people to give me testimonials. And there's probably links under this video. I'll probably put them in the YouTube description. Where you can go and see testimonials from people saying, you know what? I got an unexpected email. And they're actually still referring to it as spam. It wasn't because they'd opted into something. And I thought, bugger it, I'll take a punt. And I'll buy one of these dickhead's products. And they bought it. They looked at it, it opened their mind, they learned the truth, they then took the time to investigate the stuff that's in my autobiography, which you can download below, and uh, you know what? They're now raving fans, and they've had product after product. Um, although I have now set everybody free. And that's where Elite Hypnosis Bootcamp comes in, because I want to set everybody in the hypnosis, NLP, personal development, life coaching, Call it what you will, even the seduction community. I want to set everyone free so they never have to spend another penny ever again. They don't have to get into brainwashed course after course, product after product. I'm going to start that process by giving away nearly six hours of video free. Just register. EliteHypnosisBootCamp.com. Sorry, I can't help it. Um, but that basically covers that. Okay, cool. Now listen. We have pretty much come to the end of, uh, of, of the questions I've okay. got for you. Who knows, maybe people watching will have, uh, have questions of their own. Uh, so, uh, you know, maybe we'll do another one of these videos mm. at some point. Yeah. If you've got any questions, you can email me. It's robert at roberttemplehypnotist.com. Again, that's robert at roberttemplehypnotist.com. That will go directly into my email inbox, which I check every day. They come through to my phone, so I'll get them within minutes of you sending them. And I'll address them, and when we've got... A a whole collection of questions. I'll give Alex a call, and uh, we'll uh, we'll get together and maybe do a second version of this. But I do have one final question, and uh, who knows where this will go? But I'll have one final question, and then we can uh, wrap this up. Mm. And that is uh, obviously there are a, a select number of kind of big bigger names in this industry, uh, apart from yourself. And mm. I wondered, uh, you know, what's your kind of outlook on them? Opinion of? Okay, uh, there's three answers to that. And, and, and that's not trying to negate the question, it's because I want to make it quite clear the context. Remember that word again, look in the dictionary. The context, I know that makes me sound egotistical and arrogant and stuck up myself, but I really do believe if people took a lot of the things I've said or done in the past in the correct context, 
a lot of the people wouldn't have fallen into the trap of spreading complete and utter bullshit because they'd have seen it for what it was rather than out of context. Anyway, answer one to that sort of relates back to what I said earlier, which is I don't like people getting ripped off, charged thousands of pounds for what, and, and, and you know, most of these trainers, I'm sorry, but a large amount, not everyone, but a large amount, pad a cracking one day's worth of content into a full week, which I think is a great achievement. And they do. And they have people split up in groups practicing, uh, which is a totally artificial environment, completely winky-wanky, because the person wants it to work for them, so that it'll work for the other person. It's, it's licking each other. It's arse-licking, glorified arse-licking, that people are paid for the privilege of doing. I'm sorry, but it is. I know that's going to offend some people. Um, you know, even more of people will hate me after this video. Who cares? I, I do actually, but anyway, I hate people getting ripped off. That's why I'm going to set people free very shortly. Um, context number two is there are some trainers out there that don't rip people off, uh, but in certain certain niches, and, and unfortunately, unfortunately, I. I can't really name that many. In fact, I'm not going to name any. There are less than there's less than I've got fingers and thumbs on my hands. Trainers in hypnosis, whether it's stage or therapy or NLP, who I would say actually truly give total value for money, without there being an element of making people dependent on them for other products or courses, and without brainwashing them into them being the I am the one and only. Um, yeah, there is very, very few. You can pretty much say that if I, um, for example, promote somebody's seminar on their behalf, that I'm only doing that because in that particular niche, I'm saying, by putting my name to it, that they are giving you 10 times the value you're paying for that course. And a recent example of that was... Um, Nick Davis of the Warwickshire School of Hypnosis uh, and his, his, his mind-blowingly uh, information-packed sports psychology and motivation peak performance course, which is uh, it, it's easily worth ten times what, what he charges for it. Um, but the majority of them, I, I think, are ripping people off, frankly, simple as. Uh, thirdly, what do I think of the others? Well, you know, I think what is interesting to know, if you look at the look at the links under on the description on YouTube for this video, or if you've seen it on Facebook, click on the video so it opens up the YouTube version. So you've got the links underneath. Look at the links and ask yourself this: if the stuff on the internet, where we, we're going back to where we started, if even a percentage of it was actually true, why is it that, for example, Paul McKenna, when he ran McKenna Breen Limited in London? when he started off doing the NLP courses. Why is it that practically every member of his staff, it wasn't all of them, but a lot of his staff members and a lot of the people who helped assist on the courses, acted as facilitators, took my home study course in stage hypnosis and complete mind therapy from the MyCare organisation, and on their application forms it clearly said, "Why? how did you hear about this course? And they wrote, recommended by Paul McKenna. Why is that? Um, I've got all of them on file. It's true, that's what they wrote. I can only assume that he did. 
It's a strange coincidence that all of them either worked for him or were listed on his web McKenna Breen website, uh, as can be seen on webarchive.org, as it was then, showing their names. Um, why is it that, you know, the likes of Peter Powers, stage hypnotist, said in the Manchester Evening News back in 1993, after we did a, uh, a Battle of the Hypnotist competition on Channel 4 of the Word, why did he say he was absolutely stunned when the presenter said he'd won the competition? He actually thought he was going to lose. Even then, at the age of 17, I was a threat to an experienced hypnotist. Uh, why is it that some currently well-known television live coaches have actually licensed, with my permission, fully with my permission, uh, my Complete Mind Therapy home psychological treatment session and, and sell this worldwide through various sources. Um, so if you buy something from Amazon, perhaps called... Um, I don't know what it's called, the key to your mind or something like that. Um, and you think, as one or two people have intimated on the internet, that royal stolen word for word, the script being used by those life coaches, less ordinary. Um, then just bear in mind that actually I've got full copyright provable, have done uh, since 1993 on every word of that script, and they're using it with my full express permission. And so therefore the testimonials you see on Amazon for that audio recording, the script, of their version, where it says it's worked amazingly well, is also saying that my unique version of Complete Mind Therapy worked amazingly well, as the testimonials do down there. Um, basically, what I'm trying to say is, and I can't really say this without being egotistical, but find me another hypnosis trainer that's living still. There were some that unfortunately passed away recently, or in the past couple of years, but that are still living, that have taught as many stage hypnotists worldwide and hypnotherapists worldwide who are currently earning their living from the skills that they've been taught by their trainer, in this case, this context, me, including as many that have ended up on TV in national media. Not, I'm not just on about in England, I'm on about worldwide. Um, and people that are making the sole income from it, who've gone on to have books published, who've gone on to run courses of their own in different things, who've gone on to fill out theatres and large venues, um, and then I'll shake those people by the hand, and they'll be the trainers that I respect, the ones that have actually been in the real world and really done the shows, really done the therapy clients, really wrestled and wrangled with the media, done the TV stuff, good, bad and indifferent, and it was still in business to this day. Now, I brought that in context, the point is, I've been doing hypnosis for money since the age of 14, I'm into my 37th year on this planet, it's my sole income, is hypnosis, and the number of people I've taught, well, it speaks for itself. Yes, that's arrogant, that's egotistical, is it? Maybe it is, but it's a fact. And no one's gonna take that away from me. Good stuff. Well, I think that pretty much wraps up our little interview. I wasn't sure how it was mm. gonna go. As I said, I took some pestering to get Alex to agree to do it, and he's come across, uh, it's about a two hour train ride, I think, from where you live to where I live, something like that. Just over. Just yeah. over two hours. 
to uh, do this little interview with us and uh, I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope it's given you some insights into the, the man behind the myth and the legend and uh, hopefully you've enjoyed it as I said. If you've got any other questions for Alex, uh, feel free to email him directly. He's very... Oh, well, you know, the chances are I will answer them. I mean, you know, that's the thing. Other people, you know, people always say I'm, 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 I'm dead standoffish. I don't offer help. That's another thing that gets banded around the internet. And it's not true, you know. When I go to conventions and conferences, uh, which what didn't used to be as much as I wanted, but I, I'm starting to get to more of them. Um, I've got all the time in the world for people that actually say please and thank you. That's it, basic manners. Uh, I've got all the time in the world. And that's one of the things you'll see in the testimonials below this video, is the number of times people say, you know what? Whether it's email, telephone call, or just meeting up with somebody over a beer and answering the question and talking them through it, I've been doing that for people and I don't take any more money off them. That's just it. I don't tell them to buy another product or go on another course. I tell them as it is and I encourage them to get out there and do it. And that's where EliteHypnosisBootCamp.com comes in. But to find out about that, you're going to have to go over to the site and have one. Absolutely. So, uh, well, I think uh, we should go and grab some food. I think we should. Quite late yeah, in the evening. Indeed. You should go over and check out EliteHypnosisBootCamp.com. Uh, yeah. And, uh, I'm sure it'll show up at the end of the video. So I can't do that stuff. I'm, I'm not clever and confused. Can you can you put that on for me? I'll do it. Yeah, fantastic. All right then, folks. So thank you for joining me on this video. This is Robert Temple and Alex William Smith, aka Jonathan Royal, signing out. We're going to go and grab some grub. <coughs>